Sorry, starting in Romans 13, verse 11 through 14. Paul is trying to wake the Romans up about the, their spiritual needs. Romans 13, and verse 11 through 14. Paul writes this. <clears throat> when that which is, um, when I was a child, that's not right. I'm in First Corinthians. <sighs> Man, you guys bear with me, please. I don't know where my head is this morning. I think it's maybe a, maybe a bit of addled because of age or something. Uh, Paul says this, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of your sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desire. That's kind of the New Testament picture of where Israel was. They had been, they conquered the land, but now they had to do the real job of serving God. And Joshua was leaving. And so what Joshua does here is he's going to challenge the people. And it's the kind of challenge that you and I as God's people today need to hear. Jesus didn't. Jesus said at one point, you can't serve God in the world because you're going to love one and hate the other. Elijah on Mount Carmel said very clearly, how long are you going to jump back and forth between God and Baal? If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And that's a message that we need today in our church, in our lives, in our church, and in our country, and in the world that we live in, is that we need to find out what are we going to do. We can't just keep coasting along. Happy as Larry, everything's fine. Um, Yeah, I'm a Christian, um, but I don't want that to bother me too much. Okay? The challenge that Joshua is going to give us here. Joshua begins. It begins with Joshua's speech, and I'm not going. To, I'm going to read the speech and then go back and point out some highlights. Joshua says at chapter 24, verse one of, uh, he says, "Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. He called for the elders of Israel, for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, "Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers." including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. He's going way, way back to the beginning, when Israel, before the Jews had ever moved into Canaan, to the other side of the Jordan River, and they served their false gods. So that's where they were. I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river. I led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave them Isaac. I want you to notice how often, I'm going to emphasize them as I read them, that God says what he's done. And I want you to think as we're going through this chapter, I want you to think about things that you could say in your life that God has done for you. All right? Um, uh, Verse 4, To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. Um, God says, I gave them the mountains. But to Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Israel according to what I did among them. Afterwards, I brought you out 
Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And they cried out to the Lord. He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them. He covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwell in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their hand. And I destroyed them from before you. And Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Baor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then he went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet out before you, which drove them out before you, and the two kings of the Amorites, but not, not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them, and you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves, which you did not plant. Do you get the focus of that? Alright, God's pretty strong. God says, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I did this. And if we try to think in our heads, what has God God done for us? If you're a Christian, the first thing you can say is that God delivered me from my sin. I was a sinner bound for hell. I had no hope. I was living a life of emptiness. And yet God saved me and delivered me. God has protected me. God has given me health. God's given me struggles. But you know what? Just like here, did you notice? He wasn't talking about a struggle-free life for Israel, was he? Over and over again, he mentions the enemies they had to face. He says, but I delivered you. And we as Christians can look back and say the same thing. We have been through tough times, but God has delivered you. God has done a work, and God has brought us to where we are today. He has brought us as individuals to where we are today, and He has brought us as a church to where we are today. All right, God's put us here. I was telling people in the states what God was doing here, and I, it's a, it is astounding to see how God is gathering people together in this little assembly now, and God's doing a work. But that wasn't enough. Now God is going to give them some instructions. He's going to give them a challenge. But let's pray before we get to that. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you give me clarity of thought. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us exactly what you want us to hear in the next few minutes. I pray for us as individuals. pray for us as families. And for us as a church, Lord, that you might teach us what we need to be doing and the decisions we need to be making. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, so God is going to address the nation. He's got them ready. He gave them a big speech about all that he had done. And now we come down to verse 14. Uh, Verse 14. Now, therefore, here's what God says to do. Here's his challenge. Here's his um, instructions. Here's the challenge that God gave them. And here's the challenge that God gives us today as his children. First of all, he says... Verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, 
Serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, on the other side of the river, and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you are going to serve. Whether your gods which your father served on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God says a couple things in them here. First of all, he says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord does have something of that, of what we normally would have a fear, a fear attitude about it. It does talk a bit about being afraid. But literally, it's standing in awe of God's power. God says here, I want you to fear me. I want you to, it's, we fear all kinds of things. Unfortunately, we as God's people, sometimes we fear man more than we fear God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Sometimes we fear the response of our friends more than we fear God. Sometimes we fear being snickered at more than we fear God. None of us probably are going to face the kind of situation North Koreans face. Alright? Ours is nothing compared to that. We may fear unpopularity more than we fear God. Joshua says, if you're really going to serve me, you need to learn to fear God. To stand in awe of who God is. To look up and say, the most important thing in the world is for me to serve and honor God. Nothing else really matters. And I'm going to put that before anything else. I'm going to put that before my own desires. I'm going to put that before my flesh. I'm going to put that before anything else in my life. I am going to learn when I get up in the morning, I am going to think about who God is and I'm going to think about what God wants me to do. There's a fear, this standing in awe of God. I think about Isaiah chapter 6. You probably know the reference. I'm not going to look there. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His glory filled the temple. And he talks about the the, the, the angels and their wings covering all this kind, and so he. And you know what? Isaiah, you know what Isaiah did when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Oh, oh, it's God. Oh, I kind of like. I guess I better get my devotions done today. Well, Sunday I'm not too busy. Maybe I get up and go to church. So I'm not too busy today. Isaiah, when he feared God. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. It fell, the, 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 I think the phrase says he, I think it even says, that's one of the words that says he fell on his face and worshiped God. He didn't just stand there and he did not just stand there and think about God. He did not just, I can demonstrate this, all right? He didn't just get on his knees and say, yes, God. He feared God to the extent that he lay prone on his this is This is the picture of what Isaiah did. He feared God in the point. He didn't even feel worthy to kneel before God. Now, that's what he said. I'll get back up. Alright? You say, why? Why is that a big deal? 
because it gives us a picture about true submission, what true submission is really all about. In that position I was just in, is there anything I can do to defend myself? Nothing. Is there anything I can do to do a labor or do some kind of work when I'm, when I'm in that position? No. I am standing in awe of God. And I'm recognizing His absolute authority. And I'm recognizing not only His absolute authority, but I'm also recognizing my absolute total dependence on Him. And that's where God wants His people. Because at the end of the day, He's the one who can meet our needs. Joshua says, he starts out, he says, First of all, learn to fear God with all of our hearts. Can't keep playing this Christian-y game. And yes, I'm talking to me. We can't afford to keep... Not, look at the way the world's going. God. It's almost like... It's almost like I'm living in some type of... Uh, at the beginning of some apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic novel, isn't it? Is this world going to help us? Is Sinn Féin going to help the average Irish man or woman? How about Fina Gale? Labor. Are they going to help? No. Is Boris Johnson going to help these help us? Uh, no. Is Donald Trump going to help us? Um, no. Our only hope is fearing the Lord and submitting to His leadership. We used to sing a song in the, in the South, and I think it's maybe sung all over the country. <clears throat> Very simple little song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. The heavens are laid out somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That is our life. We are just passing through. When I preached on 1 Peter, I talked about us being pilgrims in this world. And if we're truly pilgrims in this world, Paul, when Paul wrote to Timothy... Paul told Timothy, don't be entangled in the affairs of this world. We can't afford to... I've been pretty good on Facebook since the election. Remember when I made my decision not to make any more political posts? Do you know how many times something has rattled me and I popped on a political post? And got ready to hit, got ready to hit the enter button, and said, "Nope, I'm not going to do it." And the thing is, why do we like that? Because we don't fear God enough. We think we can fix the situation instead of fearing God. We are not going to We are not going to fix the moral issues of this world. We can't do it. Yes, there are issues like abortion that we must stand because in abortion, we're standing for the life of innocent babies. But most of the world's moral issues we're not going to fix. It's just not going to happen. Most of, we're not going to fix the political issues. We're not going to fix the question of a hard or a soft border or the backstop or any of those things. So guys, we need to be primarily focused on fearing God and serving Him. Every day I go out the door, my primary focus should be that I'm going to fear God and I'm going to worship 
and serve Him. Fear should result in trust. Psalm 115 says, You who fear the Lord, trust in Him. Because He is our help and He is our shield. So Joshua says first to these people, fear the Lord. He says the same thing to us. Um, We need to be in a position where we are going to fear God. Uh, then he says this. He said, then serve him. Serve him how? Once we fear the Lord, we can't help but serve God. If we're really fearing God, service is going to be the manifest- manifestation of that. He says, serve him in sincerity and serve him in truth. That word sincere means that we have no mars, no flaws. It's a complete, total, sincere service. Nothing holding back. I am going to serve God with every fiber of my soul. I'm going to serve Him completely. It's a wholehearted service. Later on, He's going to talk about inclining our hearts to the Lord. Um, We serve God in sincerity. He says, then we serve God in truth. There's no pretense. There's no hypocrisy. We serve God Without, with no other motivation. We serve God because God is worthy of our service. And if we are truly going to serve God in our community, if we're really going to impact Nace and Salins and Clayton and the areas around us, um, Allenwood, all these areas, if we're going to really serve God in these areas, then we're going to learn how to serve God in sincerity and truth without hypocrisy. I was reading my devotions um, in Galatians, and it's the point where Paul has to confront Peter because Peter and Barnabas and a few others, they're acting one way around the Jews, and they're acting one way around the Gentiles, and there's a hypocrisy in their lives. And tragically, this kind of hypocrisy is not sincere, and it's not true. Each one of us in this room this morning can be experts on living one way before the world and one way before our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know what I mean? We're with the world. We have no problem acting like the world. And we put on a whole different front when we come here. I remember going to big churches in America where guys would come in and you know I can think of some. I'm not going to give you the worst examples. I know some horrible examples of men who were abusing their wives and their children. And I didn't know it until much later. And they'd come into the church praising God. Hallelujah. Good to see you, brother. Amen. Isn't that a great Sunday morning? What a great day to serve God. And they're going home and they're beating their kids. Okay? That happens. Believe it or not, that happens. Fortunately, that's not the major part of it. We, fortunately, most of us come to church and, yes, I prayed about that and, and I'm going to seek God's face. And then we walk out the door and we are finagling and trying to work things around to totally ignoring what God wants for us. We talk about one lifestyle here. We go out and we live the world's lifestyle. God says, I want you to serve me completely. That's what He wants absolute service for Him in sincerity and truth and God told these people and the sad thing is if you go on and read the book of Judges how do they do in the book of Judges after this 
sermon, after this message. Do you know how they did did in the book of Judges? They stunk because they didn't listen to what Joshua said. Seven times in the book of Judges they went through a cycle of sin because they wouldn't listen to what Joshua said to them. They did well, then they began to forget about God, then they began to submit to false gods, then they got... Into a, and then they became captive to sin then they renewed themselves and it happened over and over and over and over again seven times in the book of Judges because they didn't listen to these simple instructions and I can guarantee you and I know from personal experience that when I am not, when I am not living in a way where I'm fearing God and striving to serve Him I find myself in the exact same situation if I'm serving God with half my heart or three fourths of my heart I find myself getting back into the same old cycles of worry and fear and anger and depression and all these things happen. And I'm not saying there are clinical causes for those issues. You know what I'm saying, okay? You understand what I'm saying? I can carry myself to the point when I get my focus off of God and I get my focus on something else because I'm not fearing God and I'm not serving Him in sincerity and I'm not serving Him in truth. We can't do a halfway job of serving God. He says, fear God. He says, next thing he says, the next thing he says, I want you to serve God. And then he goes away. <clears throat> I love this one. Um, where am I? Verse 15? 14? Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Three things, three key things here. Fear God, serve God, and put away the false gods that you served previously. You say, Roger, I don't have a God. I don't I don't have false gods. I don't have a I don't have a God shelf in my office. I don't I don't worship Baal. I don't have false idols that I worship. But does that mean you and I don't have false gods? What do you think false gods? Living in the West, most of us have never had to deal with idols and those kind of things. What, what are the false gods in our part of the world generally? For those of us who are Westerners, what are the idols in our lives that we get saved and we just don't really want to deal with them? Can you give me any ideas? What kind of God do we not really want to put away? Come on. Materialism. Materialism. Something else. What we watch on TV. Sorry? What we watch on TV. All right? What we feed into our minds. It becomes an idol. And we say because it's not too bad, I'm going to let this rubbish in my head. All right? Any other idols that we don't want to put away? What? Did somebody say the F word? All right. Facebook can be an idol, can it? It can become an idol in our lives. Any type of social media. Anybody else? The love of money, which is what? The root of all evil? Money. Love of money is the thing that keeps... I'll leave that. All right. Love of money is an idol. I can't really afford to serve God because it means I'm going to give up some of my money. That means money's an idol. Can your, I'm not saying it's bad, but can your job be an idol? Yes? 
Can your job keep you from serving God properly? Yes, it can. Is it bad to hold a job? Absolutely not. God says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Let a man work hard. Let a man work with his hands. Work is important. But can your job be an idol? Yes, it can. How about... Um, children, can your children and family become an idol? They can. Yeah. Our, our wife, our husband, and children, are they good things? Yep, just like a job. They're good things. But can they become idols? Of course they can. And I'm not going to try to specify because everybody in this room knows how you can let your family or your job or your riches or your bank account or your house or your car or your computer can become your idols. God says you need to fear me. He says you need to stand in awe of who I am. When you, every decision you make, you need this. We need to be saying every choice we make, and even every word we speak, we need to say, "Do the words I speak reflect my fear of God?" <clears throat> he says, "Fear God." He says, "Serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth." Are we serving God? And with our sincere hearts, not just for this hour on Sunday morning. We can't categorize this as our God time. Our God time is 24-7, 365. Or 366 as it will be next year. Alright? It's full time service. You can't serve God part time. Part-time is easy. I teach at Youth Reach one day a week. That's a part-time job. That's not what I really do or what I really am. I coach rugby for a couple of hours a week. That's a part-time thing. And I can leave that on the rugby pitch, can I? I can leave that in tallow on a Tuesday. But serving God is a full-time, every moment part of our lives. Then God says, put away the idols. It sounds like three little... It's like, well, that's so dumb, Roger. It's so simple. Why do you have to preach that? It's so basic. Do you know why we have to preach and teach basic truths over and over and over and over again? Because we're so thick, we don't get it. We just, we're like children. We're so thick. God says, fear me. And we say, yeah, I'm going to fear you. And then... Something else comes along and I fear it more than God. God says, serve me in sincerity and truth. And yeah, that's great. And I'm coasting along. Then all of a sudden, an idea to serve something else jumped in and I jump off track onto that. God says, put away your false gods. And I say, yeah, I'm going to put those false gods away. I'm going to get rid of them out of my life. And the next time that television program comes up, you jump onto it and you want to see it. Or you know, even though you know. And I'm not criticizing any television program. You know that, don't you? You and I know what areas we have problems with. You know the things that you shouldn't be doing. I know the things I shouldn't be doing. But I'm not willing to put those false gods away because there's too much pleasure in it. Okay, we're going to stop here. We're going to pick up next week because next week God is going to challenge the people to choose which one they're going to serve. For this week, remember, when we leave today and we go out there tomorrow, Are we going to fear the Lord? Are we going to serve Him in sincerity and truth? 
are we going to put away the false gods out of our lives? Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, it's such a... Man, I preach this and um, everything I say, I'm getting beaten up in my head about my own life. Lord, I pray that you would be working in all of our hearts. Lord, we need to get serious about serving you in this world. We need to get serious about serving you in our community. Lord, we need to wake up. It's high time, Paul said, to wake up out of our sleep, clothe ourselves in Jesus, and go out into this world. Remind us to fear you. Remind us to serve you in sincerity and truth. And remind us, Father, to get rid of those false gods that we tend to cling on to. Thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you that we can share time together in your word. In Jesus' name we pray.